0: He looked so far from being a rookie and i asked him i said what are you doing tomorrow i knew it was there all day and he said well i'm gonna go in pretty early and i'm gonna get a good lift and i'm gonna do some cardio and then i'm meeting eli at nine to watch film welcome back to the david glenn show that was duke coach david cutcliffe on our show discussing two of his disciples now teammates and fellow quarterbacks with the new york giants Daniel Jones elevated over two-time Super Bowl champion Eli Manning. Both worked under David Cutcliffe, Duke and Ole Miss, of course. The Giants host Washington, so Daniel Jones can have back-to-back great starts. That's not the most intimidating opponent for him the week after. In a different direction goes Kyle Allen. It was the lowly Arizona Cardinals last week, one of the five or six weakest defenses in the NFL. It is the Houston Texans this week. You got to deal with J.J. Watt. You got to deal with Whitney Merciless. You've got to deal with Jonathan Joseph. You actually have to deal with Eric Reed's brother, Justin Reed. Justin's the starting safety for the Texans. Eric, of course, starting safety for your Carolina Panthers. One more fun subplot for that matchup on Sunday. They expect to have 40 to 50 family members there, some of them in those split jerseys, half Houston, half Carolina. That's among your highlights of an NFL weekend that also offers the Saints hosting the Cowboys, the Vikings, and the Bears. They're both 2-1. and one. The undefeated Bills hosting the Patriots. John and Raleigh wants to talk about that one. The undefeated Lions are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. So big challenges for a couple of franchises that remain unbeaten but are not used to living in this particular neighborhood, so to speak. The one thing I promised, as the new NBA top 100 list it actually is, was out at ESPN.com. Darren, remember earlier this year I was just goofing off saying with Kemba Walker leaving for the Celtics, I wasn't sure the Hornets had any, not one person, that could be regarded as a top 100 or so player in the NBA. And I, I didn't really quantify it. It's not like I like looked it up from 1 to 500 or whatever. But I, it just felt that way. Kemba was their best player. He's off to the Celtics. What do they have left? Well, the ESPN.com list that came out today that did cause LeBron to slide to number three after many, many years at number one. Again, Giannis first, Kawhi second, LeBron third, James Harden fourth, and then on down the list. Anthony Davis was fifth. So the Lakers, whatever else they may not have, in the eyes of ESPN, they have two of the top five players in the NBA. So we'll see how that goes. Not a single Hornet listed anywhere in the top 100. No name anywhere to be found. Virtually every other team had somebody And some of those teams have a bunch of somebodies in the top 100 list. Man, as the Panthers continue to be intriguing for some good reasons and some scary reasons, Cam's injury and otherwise, as the Hurricanes are surrounded by optimism with their regular season opener coming on Thursday, what is the outsider's view of the Canes? They have a great young head coach in Rod Brindamore. They have a fantastic consistent work ethic thanks to Rod Brindamore. They have one of the deeper, more talented defensive cores in the NHL. They have an up-and-coming slew of forwards, whether it's the talented guys like you know the skill guys, if you will, like Sebastian Aho or an Andre Svechnikov, who is expected to have a breakthrough season. Aho is 22, Svechnikov is 19, <laughs> so they're getting better still. And they one's a superstar already. I think the other's on his way to that status. And the outsiders think you know that the goaltending is still unpredictable. Even though Peter Morazic re-signed and he was great last year, for the most part, they're still describing that part of the equation as unpredictable, but far more good than bad, right? And the Panthers, with quarterback play, Cam or Kyle Allen, we'll see, are still in the mix. Hornets couldn't be more irrelevant, and that is part of the reason. 1-800-849-2761. Let me go to John and Raleigh. The The weird rules experiment. This is only the G League, not the NBA. But remember, the, G, the NBA runs the G League. This is the, the AAA, if you will, that is owned by the parent organization, the NBA. This coming season, seriously, except in the last two minutes of regulation and overtime, if you are fouled in a G League game, you get only one free throw. That one free throw may represent One, two, or three points. I mean, you got to, like, concentrate just to understand what they're proposing here. And, of course, they're trying to shorten games, right? Soccer is considered the wave of the present and future because the TV suits can squeeze every match into a two-hour window. Oh, and we even have time for a little halftime promotion and analysis and just a little on the front end and just a little on the back end. And, oh, isn't that a neat little tidy package? Two hours of sports inventory, you get a full match and some other window dressing, right? Well, the average G League game last year was two hours and like six minutes. And they really want it to be under two hours. They want it to be more like a soccer bite of the apple within a two-hour frame. And one of the ways they can do it, if you were taking a three-point shot, Darren, when you got fouled, you get only one free throw. That takes a lot less time, right? I mean, you're taking little, little chunks into shortening in the game. But, okay, you, if it's three, you got to do your pull your socks. You got to check your jock. You got to, you know, fist bump your teammates after you make your first one. The ref has to go get the ball, whatever. If you hit a three, if you're fouled while three point shooting, you get three shots. New rule you get only one free throw after being fouled on your three-pointer. If you make it, it's three points. If you miss it, it's zero. Similarly, if you ta- if you get fouled in the lane on a routine play or a drive, now that would typically be, under the current rules, two shots. You get only one from the free-throw line, but it's worth two or zero. Now, one, still one, right? But if it goes well at that level, the NBA will be watching as it tries to... Get into the 21st century and reflect what more consumers say they want along with what more TV executives say they want. I'm not against the experimentation, by the way. To me, that's what AAA is for. I mean, like in baseball, try the pitch clock there first. See what managers like and dislike about it. See what players like and dislike about it. That's why you experiment at the lower levels. Let them make mistakes. Let them learn the hard way. And then if you like it, you just plug it right in after it has been kind of honed and fine-tuned. One of the greatest ideas for Tom Dundon's AAF was that they were trying to be a partner of the NFL. They weren't trying to threaten the NFL. They were a different time of year. We'll train your officials. We'll experiment with rules. You can discard the ones you don't like and adopt the ones you do like. We'll, we'll be a feeder system with players. Now, other things went wrong, and they pulled the plug on that league. But that's the smart way to do it. Wouldn't every parent league want the ability to experiment at a lower level before deciding what they want to change and what they don't want to change? The traditionalists, by the way, don't like this idea. And the stats will get all screwed up, kind of, sort of, with a different approach to free throws. But again, it's only a G League experiment, not yet an NBA rule. John, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Hey, David. How you doing? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Yeah, you know, I I, I'm, I am a Giants fan. I'm going to say that real quick, and it's nice to have a mobile quarterback. Yeah. once. Yeah. Somebody that can extend plays, which I think is going to be huge uh, with this whole Patriots Bills game. Um, you know, I watch them, and the, the the Pats are notorious for dropping a game in the first quarter of the season. Uh, other than their undefeated season, of course. Right? right. They they drop a game in the first quarter. First four games, they they pretty much lose one, at least one, and this is just kind of. I just feel like with the Bills and their defense and a mobile quarterback and Josh Allen, I really, really think that this is primed for you know, I guess an upset, if you will. And right? it's at and Buffalo. I mean, I mean you know what the history says. I think everything John said right there is accurate. Forty-two year old Tom Brady is thirty and three head-to-head against the Buffalo Bills. And that causes people to take pause, as they should, right, if you're feeling the Bills this weekend. But the Patriots are only, I think, a four- or five-point favorite. The game is in Buffalo. That fan base is absolutely jacked up. And whereas the Patriots' metrics are truly off the charts, just as the Dolphins are one of are the worst 0-3 team in NFL history, the Patriots' 3-0 start comes with bells and whistles and dominating numbers that are great even by Patriots' standards. However, some of those numbers generated against the worst of the NFL. So where does the reality shake out? We'll see. I think we'll learn a lot more about both teams as the Patriots visit the Bills. Maybe after 30 wins and only three losses – Sean McDermott's Bills can hand Tom Brady loss number four. Thank you for playing. 1-800-849-2761. The other thing I promised was from college football. Three of our state's teams have great opportunities this weekend. And we talk mostly about Dave Doran's Wolfpack and how they can beat the Seminoles, although I think it'll be an uphill battle. David Cutcliffe's Blue Devils going to Blacksburg. National TV tonight. First chance to make a big impression in a conference game. Really first chance, well, first conference game at all for Duke. Virginia Tech has already played one. They lost to Boston College. But a win at Blacksburg, where since these two have been conference members together, since the Hokies joined the ACC a decade plus ago, it is 13 up for the Hokies out of 15 head-to-head matchups. So it is an understatement to say Virginia Tech has had the best of Duke football, even in the David Cutcliffe era, which of course represents a fantastic resurgence for the Blue Devils on the gridiron. And we look at Wake BC more from the Wake perspective. How often have the Deacons of the gridiron started 5-0? and And yet, you all know, we've been on the Wake bandwagon since the offseason when we picked them to be the best in the state and the dark horse in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So far, other than number one Clemson, who's getting and deserving most of the accolades, 4-0 UVA as the Cavs head to Notre Dame, 4-0 Wake as they head to Boston College. Now, Notre Dame is going to be hard for UVA to beat, and again, I like the Irish in that game. Wake is the better team than BC. But as we think of it from our in-state team's perspective, consider this as I come back to your calls. If State goes to Tallahassee and beats the Seminoles, We'll have a fun conversation here. Who knows? Maybe Matthew McKay has his breakthrough. Maybe Bailey Hockman against a team that he once represented, Florida State, the Wolfpack's backup quarterback. Maybe he has a breakthrough. Maybe the running backs run wild or a mezzi It just catches touchdown passes left and right. Who knows? Maybe Willie Taggart's often poorly coached Seminoles have, a, have their punt blocked. Remember Dave Doran said that's like the cardinal sin. And to him, the most embarrassing part of that loss up at West Virginia, a lot went wrong, but he was like, I believe he said, you cannot have ever a punt blocked among his observations as a guest on our show this week. Think of any of these three pictures. If you're Willie Taggart and you lose at home to NC State, if you're Justin Fuente of Virginia Tech and you lose tonight at home to Duke, Again, 13-2 and Hokies over Blue Devils dating back to the Frank Beamer era. And if you're Steve Adazio, you're again at home. You're against one of those North Carolina teams. You're supposed to beat those teams. Our state, our big four has not had overwhelming success compared to certainly FSU historically, certainly Virginia Tech historically, not BC as much. But Steve Adazio is in year seven there. He's three and one. To start the season, if you lose to Wake, they're thinking, well, here we go again. Steve Adazio is in year seven and has never won more than seven games. You don't get much longer if you never break the seven-win threshold. That is the definition of mediocrity. I mean, seriously, in no- nowadays, you need, in most cases, six wins to make the postseason. So you scrounge into some lousy bowl, very few of your fans care. Hardly anybody attends it. I mean, the kids have fun, and they get some nice swag, and it's all good. I'm not anti-bowl. I'm not even anti-middling bowl. The more, the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. If you don't like it, don't watch. But if you're Steve Adazio in your year seven at Boston College, and they have produced the likes of Luke Kuechly and Matt Ryan and some double-digit win totals, you know, and even runs at the ACC Championship, et et cetera. And you remember, Dave Dorn had back-to-back nine win seasons at NC State. Larry Fedora won 11 games at Carolina, what was that, four years ago. Had him playing in the ACC title. He's lost his job since then. David Cutcliffe has taken Duke to an ACC title game, double-digit win total. Dave Clawson, I think, is going to have his best season this year at Wake Forest. If you're Steve Adazio, 3-1, and one, hosting the Deeks, and you lose, they're thinking, when is this guy ever going to get past seven wins? And it's not a great BC team. Jamie Newman, by the way, has a chance to pad his stats against one of the weakest defenses in the ACC. BC doesn't have anybody like Luke Kuechly on defense. BC's defense is flat-out bad. But BC has a future NFL running back named A.J. Dillon. And you know what the plan is going to be. Wake is not huge and physical in the front seven. So it's going to be long, grinding drives, eat up the clock, keep Jamie Newman off the field, and try to win kind of the black and blue collar type way, right? Adazio wins, he's four and one and might be off to the races. Best chance to break the seven win threshold again that you I think he landed exactly on seven wins in five of his first six years. I mean, that's nobody likes that trend. You're allowed to win seven games in your early years. You're not allowed to keep winning seven in years four, five, six, seven, and eight. Doesn't work that way at any school, much less B.C., where they've had, you know, Doug Flutie-type success and Matt Ryan and Luke Kuechly, et cetera. So if Adazio loses at home to Wake, he's going to hear it. If Justin Fuente loses tonight at home to Duke, we know how improved Duke is under David Cutcliffe. Many Hokies fans don't know or care. All they know is that Beamer beat him. All the time. And now, what's wrong, Justin Fuente? Fuente has gone from 10 wins in his first year with the Hokies to nine in his second year to six in his third year. You don't need to be a math major to understand that that is, you're going the wrong way. He's out of the gate, two and one. If you beat Duke, you're three and one and feeling a little better about yourself, right? Who knows how high you can rise. If you lose at home to Duke on national TV and you're two and two, it's very much like that Steve Adazio if he loses at home to Wake tomorrow. It's. You don't want to be there. And the worst of these three examples, by the way Steve Adazio losing at home to Wake will hear it. Justin Fuente losing at home to Duke will hear it. Willie Taggart losing at home to NC State would be next level hearing it. They're two and two. They needed to miss PAT just to survive Louisiana Monroe. They. Had a battle with lowly Louisville for much of that game before finally winning. There's no doubt the Seminoles have more high-end players than the Wolfpack. There's also no doubt that the Seminoles have been the most fragile-looking, questionably coached team in the ACC over this last year year and a little bit. You want to be any of those guys on Monday? I think I'm playing in a golf tournament on Monday. If any of those three dudes loses to one of our state's teams at home, They want to join me in a charity golf tournament on Monday rather than having to face the music and their own fan base on Monday. Fun games, NC State at Florida State, Duke at Virginia Tech, Wake at BC. There's a lot at stake for our teams as all three head on the road. There are even deeper ditches for the loser if Willie Taggart, Justin Fuente, or Steve Adazio ends up on the short end of those sticks. 1-800-849-2761. Gary and Wilson wants in on the other side. You can steer our free-for-all Friday ship. We are halfway to Margaritaville, as always, on a Friday afternoon. We do have lines open for the first time in some time. Ohio State, Auburn, Virginia at Notre Dame, Penn State at Maryland tonight. Among the college football games, worthy of your consideration nationally. We're headed to Boone. If you're going to App State's game, the Mountaineers 3-0, hosting Family Weekend and hosting us at the Big Tailgate Tour, driven by Continental Tire, we will be by the Rock Sculpture next to Kid Brewer Stadium. Come see us between noon and 3 p.m. We always pull the plug 30 minutes before kickoff because we too want to be in there as the Mountaineers try to advance to 4-0. Host teams are undefeated. Has your phone been ringing off the hook, Darren? ADs and head coaches wanting us to visit undefeated the host teams as they host the David Glenn show and the big tailgate tour. We'll see if we can keep that streak running in Boone tomorrow afternoon. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. There's a big boxing match this weekend. Major League Baseball's regular season ends on Sunday. Hockey's regular season begins next week. We'll see you at the Canes game on Thursday against the Canadiens. More of your phone calls on the other side. More on the NFL and college football must-see TV matchups. You can revisit something when the lines were busy Monday through Thursday. That happens. That's why we created Free For All Friday. You can be next with your question, your comment, your complaint. 1-800-849-2761. Is your welcome Matt. next on the David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E entertainment and capital S sport is that we don't know the outcome. And that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote, you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. David Glenn show let's get right to it lines are jammed Monday through Thursday as we welcome guests from all over the sports and entertainment worlds we had Whistleblower Day. We had Undrafted Free Agent Quarterback Day. We had Tillman Fertitta of the Houston Rockets. We had UNC Star Safety Miles Dorn. We had Dabo Sweeney of Clemson. Fewer guests on Friday. That leaves more time for you to steer our ship. We have a lot more on the NFL weekend to come, the college football weekend to come. The boxing match that I mentioned is tomorrow night in L.A. at the Staples Center. It is a unification championship bout. Between welterweights Earl Spence Jr. and Sean Porter. It is considered one of the better matchups in that particular sport of 2019, and championship belts are on the line. It's a little bit off the beaten trail baseball's regular season is coming to an end sunday hockey's regular season begins next week we will see you at pnc arena on thursday let's come back to your calls nascar is visiting charlotte as we speak the bank of america roval 400 has preliminary events today and tomorrow and of course the big race on sunday afternoon on nbc we are sending dozens of you there we hope you have a good time college basketball is back i got an email during the break darren From somebody who says they like our optimism, our positivity, and yet today they know how much I love UVA football, but they're sad that I'm picking the Cavs to lose at Notre Dame. They know how much I love when our in-state schools do well, but they're upset that I don't think the Heels have a chance against Clemson, and I would not pick the Wolfpack to go to Tallahassee and beat the Seminoles either. Uh, they want to know if there's anything I can do to brighten the mood. Well, here's one. I do think Duke is better than Virginia Tech. Now, that doesn't mean the Devils win on the road, on national TV, under a quarterback who is a fifth-year senior, Quentin Harris, but has never been in this kind of environment unless you talk about the disaster against Alabama in Atlanta to start this season. Is he capable of it? Yes. In the 15 years that I have seen Virginia Tech put up a 13-2 and record over Duke head-to-head since they joined this league. Have I rarely thought the Devils had the better team? Yes. This year they do. Now, the better team doesn't always win on the road. But if that's an ounce of positivity for you, maybe that's as much as I can scrounge up. I also think Wake at 4-0 going to BC is the better team. It's not an easy game, though. On the road, A.J. Dillon, the monster running back, y'all are going to love him in the NFL when he gets to that level. Wake will need to put up probably a lot of points to win that game. Now, they'll, they're capable of doing that. Do I think they will? Yes. I like the Deeks to win. I like the Devils' chances to win. I am not as high on UVA's trip to Notre Dame or the Tar Heels' chances of shocking the world against the number one Clemson Tigers. I do think State's trip to Florida State is closer. I just think when you're not sure, like if it's a coin flip game, I think, all right, who has more talent? Jimmy's and the Joe's are more important than the X's and the O's. Florida State has more talent. Who's at home? All right, Florida State's at home. Will there be a home field advantage? I don't know because FSU fans have been staying away in droves, so maybe that piped-in music that Dave Doran mentioned at Wolfpack practice this week will be all for naught. Alex and Raleigh actually has FSU on his mind. One more positive thing, by the way, since college basketball practice is back, are four in-state point guards, Darren. Wait till you get a hold of this theme. Trey Jones, remember, Zion and RJ and Cam left as NBA lottery picks after their freshman year. Trey Jones stayed for his sophomore year. So he's going to lead a Duke team that has some kind of solid role-player upperclassmen mixed with another shock, prep-all-American-filled freshman class. Wait till you get to see Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt and these guys, okay? Wendell Moore is an in-state kid. So there's one... Duke point guard, fun to watch. Y'all saw him last year. Carolina welcomes freshman Cole Anthony, who might be good enough as a freshman to be an All-American. We're no longer shocked by that concept, thanks to guys like Zion and RJ and some of their predecessors, but he's must-see TV as late night with Roy is tonight in Chapel Hill. Meanwhile, let's not leave out State and Wake. They have high-end senior point guards in Markel Johnson, who stayed in school, and Brandon Childress, son of Randolph. And stayed in Wake while not picked for that top tier in the ACC. They both have a chance. If your dream, if your Kevin Keats dream at State is to get back to the NCAA tournament after missing it last year, absolutely a reasonable, gettable goal, in part because of your senior point guard, Markel Johnson, often your best player. At Wake... I don't know if I'd set the bar that high, but simply getting back to the postseason, some event, NIT or otherwise, don't, I mean, aim for the NCAA, but just get back on a right track. Wake has several good experienced guards back, and if you have quality veteran guards, you have a chance. Those four point guards, man, we don't have as much to celebrate in college football season, typically in this state, as we have in college basketball season. From the freshman Cole Anthony to the sophomore Trey Jones to those two seniors at State and Wake, man, those are four great leaders in different ways leading at least fun-to-watch storylines. For the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils, the sky is typically the limit. For the other two, maybe not quite that high, but certainly... There's enough talent for Kevin Keats or Danny Manning to get done what they need to get done. Alex, welcome to the David Glenn Show, and welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Was that enough positivity there, Darren, to fulfill that request? I hope so. Go ahead, Alex. Um, Yeah, I'm a lifelong Florida State fan, and I'm not 100% sold out on Taggart myself, but don't you think that the overall fan base is being a little too hard on him? given that it's only year two? You know, you probably have seen more of the details than I have. It has gotten circus-like. I've always encouraged all fan bases to try not to go too crazy during the season, and it has been angry. It has been nasty. It has been bizarre from the four-year-old selling $20 cups of lemonade to raise money for Willie Taggart's buyout. Last year, I'm not making this up, there was a porn star that who's an FSU football fan, who started? What is it called? The uh, what's the what's the website that's usually, usually for charity purposes or for you know some benevolent idea? It was to pay Willie Taggart's buyout. I mean, these are not sentences. Oh yeah, did you see the point? Did you see the porn star who wants to buy to Willie Taggart out? I mean, that's how weird it's gotten over the last couple of years. There's even been some really scary, racially charged things toward Willie Taggart that no good person would ever tolerate or um, or certainly be a part of. I I, my my answer my bottom line answer to you Alex is I see that some of the details that are upsetting Florida State fans the most in other words are you right to say year two is a little bit early to pull the plug entirely yes but are some of his critics I don't mean the lunatic fringe I always ignore them is it fair to say why do we keep losing we in this case of course meaning the Seminoles why do we keep losing halftime leads like what? What are other coaches doing at halftime with their adjustments that we're not doing enough of? Why were we asking questions about our team's conditioning after the loss to Boise State? That's a poor reflection on the head coach if you're not in good enough shape, or you're dehydrated, or your too many players are cramping too often. As Boise State, in the same hot weather, didn't have guys cramping up as much. So if there are two, the the record is one thing. And missing a bowl last year, as Alex certainly knows as an FSU fan, broke a long and proud streak of going to the postseason for the Seminoles. Now you stumble out to a 2-2 two and two start. Again, I don't, I don't, I'm in favor of letting the song play after 2-2. Two and two. Maybe you beat NC State this weekend. Maybe you build on that. Maybe you make a bowl game. And then maybe at least you can argue on the recruiting trail the arrow's pointed in the right direction, even if we're not back to the Bobby Bowden, Jimbo Fisher glory days. But for every example of losing the halftime lead, being dehydrated, m- botching the clock in a, lo- a close loss at UVA, like all of those things are details that if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm more mad about those themes, even as it can be balanced out by, well, it's only his second year. That stuff should be right the first year, right? You can put up with mediocre to poor records if you don't have enough talent. Like Jimbo Fisher did not leave this cupboard stacked, but he didn't leave it empty either. So you underperformed with five and seven last year, and you've underperformed through two and two so far this year. Now you can change that tune this season, but dehydration, clock management, you know, last year there was all sorts of pointing fingers. You know, the, Coach Tagger told us as a guest on our show the coaching staff and the players never got on the same page last year. Darren, you and I were seated a couple feet away from pit coach Pat Narduzzi when I shared Coach Taggart's comments about the coaching staff and the players last year, 12 regular season games, quote, never got on the same page. That wasn't my quote. That was Willie Taggart sitting in the same chair 30 minutes before. What did Pat Narduzzi's body language say about that? Do you recall that? Yeah. Pat Narduzzi's non-words to me said as much as any verbal communication we got from any coach the entire trip to Charlotte. Do you remember that? Yeah, he kind of uh, – did he roll his eyes? It was oh something along gosh. those lines. And if just he just kind of shook his head. If he could have spit on the floor <laughs> in disgust at the idea that a coach through 12 games never got his staff on the same page, like he saw that as so outrageous – that it was like a slight to the profession. He could just believe. So there's another red flag. So I think Alex's question about FSU fans is a fair question. But whereas most of the time I would give the coach the benefit of the doubt in year two, at this stage of year two, I don't think Willie Taggart has earned the benefit of the doubt. That's my bottom line, and that's why I understand, you know, not the crazy stuff, not the the angry racially charged stuff or the you know the the mean spirited stuff there's it's never okay to start you know yelling expletives as a guy as he's running on and off the field or cursing at his children or friends and family in other contexts. I've seen that in our state. That's never acceptable. I've seen it from Carolina fans, Duke fans, state fans, and and virtually anywhere else we cover. Of course you're allowed to be frustrated. Of course you're allowed to be disappointed. Of course you're allowed to second-guess these guys. But when it crosses into that line of personal attacks, or in Willie Taggart's case last year, I mean, flat-out racism, it gets outrageous. So the bottom line is FSU fans who make the smart points actually are being pretty fair with their impatience, especially at a school that is football first and uses that to pay the bills for the rest of the athletic department. FSU is not a wealthy university by Power 5 standards or ACC standards, and it's not a wealthy athletic department either. So when football is hurting, they're hurting in more than just the obvious ways. Perception-wise, it's, wait, we're known for football. We usually compete for national titles, and we even won three of them, two under Bobby Bowden, one under Jimbo Fisher, and now we can't even make a bowl game? Like, that's what everybody sees. What's harder to see is that things are tight. People are stressed financially and otherwise because of no shows on Saturdays and because of too many losses and not enough wins. That that makes like the volleyball coach nervous because it eventually bleeds into the rest of the athletic department in unhealthy ways. On the other side, more of your free-for-all Friday phone calls. Drew has college football on his mind. Gary has Barry White and perhaps other things on his mind. Mark has basketball on his mind. You can steer us elsewhere if you like. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. My three questions as the Panthers try to even their record at 2-2 and with a trip to a dangerous Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt-led Houston Texans team. Remember Kyle Allen win in at least one more time as the starting quarterback for the injured Cam Newton. More on that matchup, the best of the college football weekend that awaits us and more with you leading the way, 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. Excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. <laughs> Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Real quick, Real quickly, one thing I promised. As we head back to your calls, last chance for you to jump in and steer the ship. Drew has college football on his mind. Craig has a sports whistleblower question or comment or story. Gary has Barry White on his mind. That's a reflection to our earlier question about how I adopted the Blues Brothers music. Barry White would have been a fun, high energy, getting y'all in the right mood alternative. Nevertheless, you will get Jake and Elwood once again, next week, 1-800-849-2761. Panthers at Texans, number one, how will, Kyle, how will Kyle Allen play against an above average NFL defense? after looking brilliant against one of the lesser defenses in the NFL. I'm not taking an inch away from his truly wonderful, accurate four touchdown, no interception, mostly good decisions, performance, hitting guys in stride, a level of accuracy that, frankly, we didn't often see from Cam Newton. Now, he doesn't do other things as well as Cam has done when healthy, but this is a much bigger test by everybody's definition. How does Kyle handle a huge step up in weight class going up against J.J. Watt and that Houston defense. Number two is actually, who is dealing with J.J.? In his time with the Texans, sometimes he lines up as the left defensive end, sometimes he lines up at the right defensive end. On passing downs, he might be lined up at tackle as a pass-rushing, huge tackle-type guy. Usually, on most plays, it will be either Taylor Moten at one tackle or Daryl Williams has been so bad so often this season that Greg Little the early draft pick out of Ole Miss is getting a lot of snaps at left tackle. Taylor Moten's on his best days capable of at least dealing with J.J. Watt. Nobody's going to shut J.J. down. Is Greg Little as a rookie really ready for that? Is even Daryl Williams who was used as a human turnstile earlier this season, ready for J.J. Watt. That would make me nervous if I were Kyle Allen, and that would make me nervous if I were Norv Turner. you got to come up with a plan for J.J. Watt, especially on that defense. And then it'll just be fun to watch Eric Reid play against his brother, Justin Reed. They have never done that at the NFL level. Justin starts at safety for the Texans. Eric starts, of course, for your Panthers at safety, and they expect to have 40 to 50 people, friends and family there, some of them in those split jerseys, half Panthers, half Texans, as Carolina goes to Houston on Sunday afternoon. Drew is in raleigh and next up on the David Glenn show, welcome to Free For All Friday. Hey DG, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. Going? What's on your mind? I uh, just long time pirate fan and um sorry I missed you in town uh last weekend, but uh was just curious after you've had a weekend to uh see a little bit of pirate football, what you uh Think about the new look under Coach Houston and and uh, kind of where we're going. You looking this year or longer term? A little bit of both, to be a hundred percent honest. Uh, just because it takes time with the new coach and yeah. uh, different scheme, uh, all the all the new stuff. I love when people say to be 100% honest. That implies that usually when you call me, you're lying. No, I'm just kidding. We all use those catchphrases from time to time. Isn't its is it just a nervous phrase that we all use as hosts and callers? Well, to be honest, well, what am I doing the rest of the time? Anyway, that's just a weird peculiarity that I have. Drew, I'm not making fun of you. Uh, in all seriousness, to be honest, here's my view of the Pirates. This year, I'll be surprised and impressed if they get to a bowl. Everybody knows that not only do I love Pirate Nation, I am a member of Pirate Nation, okay? My son is a junior at ECU and absolutely loves it there and is excited about the Mike Houston era. But, Darren, you know me well, man. If you ask me a personal question, you're dating some amazing young woman, and you say, hey, DG, man, I'm even thinking of popping the question, what do you think of fill in the blank? You know, (laughs) whatever that." is. I'm getting, to be honest, that's implied. You don't even need to say that. I know that. If you're asking me a serious question, like... (laughs) D.G., what am I not very good at in my job description? I mean, I'm blasting you, man. You know it. It's because I care. I believe that if people ask you, you've got to give them the truth that hurts, especially if they ask. You can't sugarcoat things if you really want to make progress. Anyway, with that in mind, the Pirates don't block very well. The Pirates don't tackle very well. And the Pirates don't have a lot of players on their two-deep depth chart that I would want on my team. That's just the flat-out truth, and I know it's not fun to hear. Scotty Montgomery left the cupboard mostly bare. I say not entirely bare because they have a defensive end named Kendall Futrell. I would want him on my team. When we do the statewide DG show, all-state team, I want that guy, his effort, his energy, his pass-rushing skills, his passion on my team. They have a, But he's a senior. And that's bad, right? Because if you don't think the Pirates are going to be good this year, you want to look to next year. Uh, Alex Turner's a big defensive lineman, a pretty good player. I would want him on my team. He's also a senior. Now, offensively, I love Blake Prohl, your sophomore wide receiver. That guy's on my statewide team, okay? You need Holton Aylers, who's only a sophomore, to get better at quarterback. I know he doesn't have a great supporting cast, but as with Matthew McKay at NC State, he's got to be better too. He actually at State has a better supporting cast. The Pirates' supporting cast is not at all very good, but Holton Aylers can play better and must be more accurate, must be a more dangerous dual threat. If Mike Houston gets to a bowl in year one, he will be overachieving. And in fact, not even this weekend at Old Dominion will be an easy game. I mean, you could win that one to get to 3-2, and two. and of course they won when the big tailgate tour was in town because – Host teams always win when the big tailgate tour is in town. But to get to a bowl is going to require some surprises the rest of the way and a lot of improvement compared to what I saw like when Navy just absolutely annihilated the Pirates. In the longer run, thanks to some of the younger guys that I mentioned returning, but also I just glance at recruiting. Mike Houston has the Pirates in that top tier of the AAC members with good recruiting so far and given what the guy's done at Lenore Ryan and the Citadel and James Madison I have no doubt that he will get the arrow pointed in the right direction I just think the bowl goal is much more realistic and likely next year than this year thank you for being 100% honest as I give you my 100% honest to be honest Darren we're coming down the stretch to the sounds of Jimmy Buffett next on the David Glenn show UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And A little song called Lovely Cruise by the one and only Jimmy Buffett. We try to make it a lovely cruise for you in the sports radio world. Five days a week, every week, statewide in the great state of North Carolina. Thanks for putting up with us on our bad days and for celebrating with us on the good ones. Darren, I think we get to root for everybody this weekend. Like... Go Phoenix, go Cavaliers, go Blue Devils, go Tar Heels, go Wolfpack, go Deacons, go Pirates. Yeah, no two are playing against one another. And we're going to see the Mountaineers. So we'll see you all right there by the rock sculpture next to Kid Brewer Stadium. Certainly go Mountaineers. Thanks to all of our great guests, the callers, and you as listeners. Enjoy the games. We'll see you Monday on the David Glenn Show.